This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at home? Power. On he goes up! And Grobelaar had to be alert. Steve Sexley gets the goal! Torsford saved the penalty here on Wednesday. And he saves another one! Delightful ball again by Barnes. McMahon in for Beardsley! Penrise with the throw. Headed on by Devon White. Peacock's there and Peacock with a magnificent goal! Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he has it! No! Hello and welcome back to another episode of Now That's What I Call Quickly Kevin. I'm Chris Skull. Joining me, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And one of the last remaining members of the Lee Sharp fan club is Mr. Michael Marden. Hello. How are we all? Very well. Hey, I'm really enjoying these look back on uh, the history of Quickly Kevin. How are you finding uh, lockdown? Have you watched any football? Yes. I've been. I, what I've started doing is going back and watching West Ham season reviews, uh, and I've started in 1992. Which Where is are you getting them from? YouTube? I know some West Ham people who have big archives, and I've asked them to send me <laughs> them. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not the dark web, mate. <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, you can't get these things anywhere. <laughs> Like, I bet you can. <laughs> well, you can't buy them. It sound like you're buying a kidney. <laughs> it is literally about who you know, Michael, when it comes to archaic West Ham season reviews. I absolutely loved it. It's been so strange. I used to watch the 92-93. It was my first big season. I watched that non-stop over and over again. And I, like, it's the first time I've watched it back since I was probably like 13 or 14. So are you like being nostalgic for the coverage as much as you are? Like you know the video inside out? Well, it turns out I don't. Oh. I don't know it inside out. Like, because I've been so shocked by what I've seen. I never remember us really losing. We finished second in the league that first season in what is now the championship. I don't remember us ever losing. We lose every week. Ludic McCloskey is like my, one of my, my goalkeeping hero. Is is useless. It's his stomach. <laughs> Look, the goals we concede are joke great, goals. Ludic McCloskey, in my mind. Uh, we, uh, my the big track. 
used to say he was great when the sky cameras were in. Saturday, 3 p.m. when you last oh, up a match right. of the day, he is conceding for fun. Oh, and dear. also, uh, Clive Allen is one of the world's greatest strikers. Who's he playing for? Uh, like, he was playing for us. Oh, right, sorry. But, but um, <laughs> I never really liked him. There's something about Clive Allen that's very distant. I'd have thought like, he was gone by then, Clive Allen. I think he, there's some weird stat about him playing for every London club. Isn't he quite small, Clive Allen? I always imagined he was small. Um, but I don't know whether it's just because the features on his face have made me think that he's small. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell does that mean? Yeah, Do you I, get I, that? I mean, he looks like a little man. No, yeah, like sometimes you just think, oh, oh they'll be short, and then you meet them, you're like, oh, no, that guy's like 6'4". Well, it's like when you find out Jurgen Klopp's like 6'4". You know Clive Allen played for all the London clubs? Uh, yeah. Yeah. When Fulham sold him, they signed uh, Alan Clive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut for quickly, Kevin fans. Yeah, we're not explaining that. Let's just move on. <laughs> Have you watched any football, Josh? Um, I've watched quite a lot of Gary Neville's soccer box, which I just think is phenomenal. Because obviously there's no sport. Uh, my dad said, oh, you, you can just press a button on your Sky Sports app and it suspends you paying for Sky Sports for six months. And I thought, I don't want to lose Gary Neville's soccer box. Also, I was really, really enjoying uh, occasionally going onto Sky Sports News and seeing how desperate it is. Anyone been on Teletext and see what they're doing on Patreon? <laughs> Can I just quickly say the worst soccer box, Sol Campbell? I've not I've seen, seen that one. No. Why get a defender on? Sol Campbell. Because the <laughs> other problem is soccer box, which is I, I'm I've made it very clear I'm a huge fan of the show, is they don't have any international clips. If I've got Gary Neville and Sol Campbell, I want to watch when Sol Campbell scored in the extra time against Argentina. I mean, I hate to break it to you, but, but it didn't count. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're still celebrating? Yeah, I'm still, I'm still saying that those Japanese soldiers still fighting the Second World War in the 70s. <laughs> right. Uh, do you want some correspondence? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Postbag. You've got mail. Do you want some... Uh, we, we asked for the most 90s team people could name. I've got a couple of my favourites. They've all they've been some really great ones. I can't read them all out, but here are some of my favourites. This is Nick Briggs's 90s 11. Following a call for 90s 11 during lockdown, here is my effort. I didn't plan on having three Bulgarians in the team, but there you go. 442, <laughs> obviously. So he's written a reason for each person. Manager, Marcello Lippi, chain smoking in the dugout. Goalkeeper, Dimitri Karin, tracksuit trousers. Steve Staunton at left back with just that left foot. Then Tifran Ivanov, looked like a werewolf, had a shot from any free kick in the opposition's half. Eric Young, reason, he's just written, sweatband. Clayton Blackmore, reason, underrated utility man. Lee Sharp, yes. having the audacity to do the sharp shuffle. Boncho Genshev for getting on the tube after an Ipswich game in London, still wearing his kit. Jordan Leschkoff <laughs> for that header against Germany in USA 94. Lars Bohinen, I didn't know this. He's been chosen because he couldn't play with an orange ball because he was colour blind. <laughs> Being colour blind doesn't mean you don't see the ball at all. No, but he must yeah. have had problems with the orange ball on the white. <laughs> Apparently, so that, we'll, we'll come back to that. Mickey Quinn. First game of the new high pre in 1993, Arsenal nil, Coventry 3, Quinn Hattrick, Andre Salenzi, the first and worst Italian to play in the Premier League. Really enjoyed that team. Should we go back to Lars Bohinen? What was the other one? Boncho Gunchev 
he got, he got the, the train tube ones off. After an episode you heard came that? in London in his full care. Have we discussed that? Uh, do you know that? I've never heard that. I've never heard that. So Boncho Genshev and um, Lars Bohinen, we'd love to know more about that. I'm sure, you know, we found out about Stefan Schwartz's space claws through this kind of thing. So um, do get in touch. Andy Gorham in goal. I think that's a good goalie. Right yep. back, Earl Barrett. Left back, Clive Wilson. Uh, Centre backs, Dave Boost, obvious reasons. And Steve Walsh of Leicester, do you remember him? Right midfield, Carol Paborski. Yeah. Central midfield of Paul Gascoigne and uh, one of my favourite picks, Gordon Cowans. Do you remember Gordon Cowan? Who yeah, was yeah. Like, brilliant from the 70s, but he was about 38, but he just had lots of space. When I first got Gordon Cowans in my, I don't know whether it was Panini or Merlin back then, but the sticker came and I thought they'd accidentally put the manager in a football <laughs> kit. <laughs> he, um, the thing about Gordon Cowans was... Didn't he even... I've got a feeling he made it into Graham Taylor's England team, or if I made that up. Well, his, no, his last yeah. cap was in 1990. Oh, was it? Uh, and then on left midfield, Steve Guppy, who I think is the perfect choice for left midfield in the 1990s. I'd say if ever anyone mentions England's left-sided problem, I always think Steve Guppy is the first. <laughs> or Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> I just feel like now you'd never get a player called Steve Guppy. <laughs> It's too cartoonish a name. Would you, if you were England manager, and it was like borderline, would you hold his name against him, thinking, well, I can't play a player called Steve Guppy? <laughs> <laughs> well, do you know, there's all these rumours that in, in the 90s, like England had kind of these rules. There was, there was always the rumour that Julian Dix didn't get in the team because he had a shaved head. Oh, really? <laughs> so maybe, by that same token, Steve Guppy's not getting in because of his name. I don't think that's what stopped Steve Guffey getting 50 caps, though. And I'm going to say it about Julian Dix. I don't think that's the same, because Steve Bull had a shaved head. I've done some research on Lars Bohinen. Do you want to oh, hear yeah, yeah. The, uh, the full story? Yeah. Basically, the story came about uh, after he was substituted at half-time during a game that he played really, really badly. And basically, it turned out that they had to use a red ball. But because the pitch wasn't completely covered in snow, it's the red on green that he has an issue with. Uh, if he's struggling with red against green... He's playing for Nottingham Forest on a green pitch. <laughs> uh, you've instantly pulled apart his argument. Um, there we go. Uh, do you want the, the front two of um, Paul Warhurst and Addy Mike, or AD Mike, who was picked? Yeah, I always remember AD Mike, because he, he was at the back of, um, again, another sticker book reference. There was the very first Premier League sticker book. There was a sort of... Um, like rising stars this is why section. he's been picked. The, the reason is... Oh, is that why he's been yeah, picked? Yeah, featured uh. in the 93-94 Merlin's album's Rising Stars page. I don't remember who else was in that, but I've got a feeling we've, we might have covered it before because I think Darren Caskey might have been involved in that page as yeah. well. I can grab the sticker book right now. Oh, can you? Yeah, go on. Okay. Do you want me to, I'll, I'll read these out. You you'll, will have heard of some of them. Are any of them uh, superstars? They're not superstars. Uh, there's a couple who I would say had... Decent careers, if you remember the 90s. There's one or two forgotten names. And there's one, at least for me, that I'd be like, who? There are eight players on this double-page spread. Yep. Rising stars. Emerging young talent is the lifeblood of football. Club scouts constantly scour the country looking for youngsters with the necessary flair and ability. This is our choice of youngsters to look out for. We think they're going all the way to the top. <laughs> Number one, Ian Selly. <laughs> Uh, Steve Frogger. He was a big Steve... deal, though, Steve Frogger. And I'm not, that's not a joke. Yeah. Like Steve Frogger, I remember him being the next big thing. Uh, Darren Eady, who I'd say was one of the bigger names on this yeah. page. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Forrester, 
No idea who that, that is. is. Uh, Darren Kasky. Yeah. Neil Shipperley. Yeah, he's probably the most successful person so far. And then finally, someone I've never even heard of, uh, Neil Bartlett. What? Oh, Neil Bartlett rings a bell. Um, Would you say that it takes, like, a certain skill to pick eight up-and-coming tipped Premier League players and for none of them to achieve... (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) none of them to win the league. I think it's harder to do that. It's harder to do that than to get... One of them, right? There's probably not an there's probably not an FA Cup or a League Championship or an international cap between all eight of those. I would be fascinated <laughs> to know collectively how many top flight appearances <laughs> all eight of these rising stars went on to make. I suspect the majority of them are shared amongst two players. guys who are listening. Could you go away? You've heard Michael read out that I know people are going to have time on their hands at the moment. If someone could do us a statistical breakdown of honours, appearances, transfer fees received of these players, we'd really appreciate it. Um, And just to whet your appetite for that research task, can I just give you a little bit of insight into the career of Neil Bartlett? (laughs) 93-94, Southampton. (laughs) Endorsed for fire safety. Um, No. No, 93-94, Southampton, 15 games. Okay, here we go. Big career ahead. 94-95, Fareham Town. 95, BK Hacken. 96, Bashley. 97, Hereford Town. Newport County, Salisbury City, Ooh, so Hastings Town, Limington Town. Hereford and Newport are a bit... Tring Town. He finished up his career in 2008 at a club called Institute. Oh, no. No idea. Um, no idea. Here's a question for you. If, you. if you had that career, so say that's your football career... And I said, would you have wanted to have featured on that Merlin page? Would you see that as a positive to have featured on it? Or would it make your career feel slightly galling? If in 30 years' time, three people who could never achieve anything close to what you did in the game were to take the mickey out of you, would you rather be there or not? Or is this your real legacy? I mean, here we are having a go at Neil Bartlett. None of us were good enough for BK Hacking. They would never have been interested in us. Um, if you've got anything on any of those players, we'd love a uh, you know a sum up of them. And this is how to get in touch. Get in touch with the show. Email hello at quicklykevin.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at quicklykevin, and sign up to the mailing list at quicklykevin.com. Now these episodes are a now that's what I call quickly Kevin. We are going to uh, play you some of our favourite clips. From the past. Michael, what have you got for us? First up, the legend AC Jimbo discusses the origins of Football Italia, working with Gaza and his unique broadcasting style. Now, initially, I wasn't the presenter. Yeah. The presenter was Gaza. Yeah. Well, for the Sunday, they didn't have a presenter. It was just Peter Brackley and, and uh, Ray Wilkins, as I subsequently discovered his name was, uh, doing the commentary. <laughs> um, but uh, for the Saturday show, that was going to be Gaza's show. He would be hosting that and taking us through his... His, his world and that lasted I mean a couple of shows and then he just wasn't there and that was actually my job was to be there live in Rome maybe go and film the odd feature myself but but largely produce Gaza's links yeah which I failed at to the extent that I got his job instead <laughs> what a glorious failure exactly. you're rewarded I, not even a football manager comes out of failure <laughs> smelling so sweet he would have been in the white hot heat of fame oh very much so point. yeah no, absolutely, and I, I'm sure I was extremely intimidated because he was, although a very generous and, and charming and, and entertaining fellow, he was, as you say, a, 
an absolutely stratospherically famous footballer and quite a robust-looking chap, and also from the North, which, you know, carries its own certain you know, <laughs> psychological <laughs> pressure for anyone from London. Did you, when he got cut from he, the show, did he care? Did he not? Oh, no, I don't think he cared. No. I, also, he was still involved. He would still be his, doing his little diary segment. Yeah. But um, with the best will in the world, I don't think he was aware of what time it was from one minute to another. <laughs> so I don't think that he ever thought, damn. Yeah, this could be my, my break as a TV presenter. Fronting a, a Channel 4 game show in the noughties <laughs> called Grand Slam. <laughs> has gone to that upstart. I'm sick to death of you. Honestly, you come here, you're crawling, you're a creep, you're sniveling, you're pestering me, I've got no peace with you. And I know the story with you and the goat. Now go on, out. And what did you say, Paul? I said, yes, Mr Zemin. Will you let me play on Sunday? What a terrific story. Well, we're hearing more about Paul's uh, probable comeback later on in today's show and other subjects besides, I shouldn't wonder. Right now, of course, it's time for Ken. You've got a very kind of distinctive style, which I'd say defined Gazetta Football Italia. Your excellent wordplay, kind of laid-back presenting style. How much of that was thought through? How much did you go, or how much were you just winging it on a kind of, I'll just be who I am? Probably a bit of, of all of that. Mm. From the perspective I had, I wasn't going to be stunning anyone with my incredible analysis of football yeah. so it felt like what i maybe could do was make it as entertaining as possible but i don't think that it was particularly entertaining to start off with i mean in terms of my work the football certainly was but uh, I, that was something that evolved a bit i maybe threw yeah. in a, a little line here and there and, and then somebody said oh i, I liked your line i th- and then I, you get that you buzz, get, you get yeah, that hit, yeah, yeah, and suddenly yeah. you want more. Well, you were, <laughs> great, you were great at similes. I've got a couple here. Oh. Um, the Scudetto is as sewn up as Cliff Richards flies. Oh, wow. um, Palmer have as much chance Top. of winning Top. as I do growing an afro. All right, yeah. You loved a simile. Yeah, are those similes? That, that, yeah, I think so, yeah. Bingo. I'm sure <laughs> So, In uh, terms of feedback, yeah. there's this kind of weird thing where you're living in a country where the show's not going out... Mm. So you've kind of got no feeling for how your star is rising in the UK. So, yeah, absolutely. For that 10 years, effectively, in Italy, I was living in a country where nobody nobody was watching what I was doing, which prepared me nicely for my career after. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was was a bit surreal because it was a big leap in the first place because I'd been kind of a a production type Mm. and then suddenly got this job fronting a, a, a TV show, but... The reality of that never really... I mean, you get the odd bit when you... If I came back to England, some people might go, oh, you're the Italian football bloke. Yeah. But by and large, it was never really a a, a reality. Was there any point in the 90s when you thought, I should kind of move this into English football or move towards the BBC or ITV? Well, I did do a bit of work with the BBC. You did Euro 96, didn't you? I did Euro 96 in 98. And in 99, I was going to come back to England and they, they said, let us know if you're over, mm. because we, we can get you some work on Football Focus or something. I've probably gone a little bit like Kurtz in Heart of Darkness, or, sorry, in Apocalypse Now, whatever. Yeah. I go, I was, I've been up the river too long at this point, so I, <laughs> I probably thought to myself, path Football Focus. <laughs> I front question of sport or nothing. <laughs> and, and anyway, when I came back to England, we, yeah, we had a summer, and then we decided we were going back to Italy anyway, and, then, and that burnt apparently all my bridges with the B, because when I went back to them for the next tournament, they went, no, we think you're overqualified. <laughs> Overqualified. Yeah, I, I think I know what they meant. <laughs> so the time you're in Italy, who did you have a crew out there? Do you have like a production? Was it you in a car? Well, so the way that that show worked was I was out there 
with uh, pretty much a cameraman and a sound man and we'd film whatever it was we were filming and then I'd get the tapes or the footage back to England. We used to do satellites to begin with, but then we'd just have somebody come out and courier the tapes back or sometimes I'd bring them back. And that's how it works. And everybody else was back in England. On the Friday, they'd edit the show together and it would go out on Saturday morning. And then on Sundays, I'd head to wherever we were doing the game and we'd get a, a unilateral satellite feed up. So I'd be sat basically at the back of the press box, generally, on a desk or something, with a guest, Paul Elliott. It always it looked very tight when yeah, you, you was... and Paul Elliott or whoever it would be right. were stood. It was kind of very much DIY yeah. TV. And how involved were you in kind of choosing the game or like... Well, the game, not not particularly, but the what went into the Saturday show was very much my responsibility in terms of arranging interviews and, and, and sorting all that sort of stuff out. So you just going from your little black book of Attilio Lombardo, etc. Yeah, or... mainly Attilio Lombardo. <laughs> he, he left for Palace and then... Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was the end. <laughs> that was the end. It all dried up after that. It does years. feel insane that you were kind of the also the, the fixer. Yeah. As well as the presenter. It wasn't the easiest country to be fixing things in either. <laughs> They haven't got a history ah, for we'll it. We'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next up. Lee Dixon talks about the aftermath of winning the league title on the last day of the season against Liverpool in 1989. My favourite detail of the whole documentary is where you went when you got back to London. Yeah. Winner's Bar. Yes. That is astonishing. I think it's my favourite scene in the documentary is you getting off the bus. Yeah. And I think Tony Adams is like second or third or first off. And uh, he's got his shirt undone, but the blazers on. He's got the tie hanging up, and yeah, there's all of you look absolutely well, sozzled already. Like, do you remember anything of that journey back to London? Well, the funny thing about that story is, or that occasion was, do, if you notice the players getting off the bus, there was only one player who didn't get off the bus, and that was me. Who really? Because I didn't go on the night out. What? what? We've got a whole line of questioning about winners. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> Ten pages, man. This is great. So I will, fill, I will fill those gaps in what? that you've now got <laughs> with the story of why I didn't go. Okay. So, for the listeners, winners seem sorry the documentary yeah. to be like basically a local pub with a couple of pool tables in Highbury. Yeah, it was like a late drinking pub type yeah. establishment that couple of the lads knew about and they'd phoned a few places up and they said well you know we're coming back to London and and so, I don't know I think it might have been Quinny or Merce or some phone winners and knew somebody there some of the fans were going back there I said yeah we'll just stay open until you get there and then the scenes of what you're talking about it's like about. a lock-in with the locals basically. and they're all there waiting for the lads to come back on the coach who were obviously not sitting there drinking Perrier water on the coach <laughs> so they're absolutely larruped by the time they get there but I so Leading up to the game, my uncle moved to Australia when I was six months old, hadn't been back to England, and I'm now 26 or whatever, he's playing in that game, and the week before, he's coming to England. So, my mum's doing a surprise leaving do for him after the game. Yeah. So, the day before, she's gone, oh, don't forget your uncle's party, and I've gone, we're playing Liverpool tomorrow night, mum. Yeah, but then it's Friday night, so he could come and stay the weekend, and then he's leaving on the Sunday morning. And then I, in my head, I just went, well, we'll probably get beat anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine, Mum. Yeah, no problem. So I just went, yeah. So obviously after the game, I'm in the dressing room after the game like that, and I'm going, and my brother's waiting for me outside in the car. Oh my so God. I've gone, oh, hang on a minute. And then Stuart Houston or whoever, somebody's in charge goes, yeah, Lee, you're going straight back to uh, to your mum's, aren't you? Everyone else in the car. And I'm going, I'm like this, going, oh, 
So I drank a whole bottle of champagne by then and I'm thinking, is it worth risk? I've got to go back. This will never happen again. Get on the coach. My mum will forgive me. For some unknown reason, I cannot to this day understand why, waving the lads off like that. Oh, no, get on the coach. What? I did. Yes, you're such a good son. <laughs> but what a rubbish footballer. Something like that, waving them off and they go oh, off into the distance no. and I go... I get into the I get into the um, into my brother's car and I'm kind of like a bit drunk, so I'm kind yeah. of like not it's not really hitting yet. And we go driving through Liverpool, so we're about five minutes into the journey, and I'm lit- I've had nothing to eat since pre-match meal. I'm starving, hungry, just had a load of champagne. So I said, right, let's we need some fish and chips on the way home. So my brother goes fish and chip shop, pulls in, jump out the car, go running into this chip shop. As I sling open the door, I realise I've got my Arsenal blazer on and tie, sort of round here in Liverpool in the fish and chip shop. <laughs> and I go, four fish and chips, mate. And I go in like this. And I've gone, and now I'm aware of where I am and what I've just done. And I've literally gone, oh, that's it. I'm just going to die. <laughs> it's the only time I'm going to win the league and I'm now going to die. And the, I look up at the bloke and the bloke goes behind the jump. He looks at me and he goes, you can have extra chips now, we're all Evertonians. We <laughs> <laughs> had a party in the chip shop. We were all jumping up and down, going, Ray! So we had a massive party in the chip shop. I'd come out with all these chips and get in and go to my mum and dad's. Amazing. God. Do you regret that? Oh, massively. <laughs> I didn't really like my uncle that much. <laughs> and finally, Tony DiRigo tells us about Cantona and his time at Leeds during the title winning season in 1992. And uh, Eric Cantona, yes, in the dressing room, yes. So what point what? of the season was he signed, Eric Cantona? It's probably midway through, or probably a bit later, something like that. And he yeah. didn't actually play that many games. Mm, uh, no, but I come across Eric uh, England under twenty ones against France under twenty ones at oh, Highbury right. uh, earlier mm. in his career, and he scored twice. Yeah, He's an, an absolute talent, you know, yeah. absolutely. And uh, remember, he went to Sheffield Wednesday first, and they. Yeah, uh, Trevor Francis. I talked to Trevor about this actually, and because uh, Eric told me it was a trial, and yeah. Eric doesn't do trials, so <laughs> and, and of course, and of course um, so what happened at Sheffield Wednesday? Well, it was icy, and it kind of got. Uh, they said, "Well, no, actually, it's uh, the pitches are icy. Can you stay a bit longer? Can you stay a bit longer?" And I think he just said, "No, I'm not staying any longer," and walked, walked out <laughs> oh, really? up the road to Leeds. Yeah, so we had him, and, uh, did and that's you, it. And did, when he turns up, do you guys know apart from you played? I knew all about him. But was it like, this guy's going to be amazing? Well, obviously a lot of my teammates probably hadn't heard so much of him, but uh, in training there was this one instance which was just incredible. Imagine you've got um, a full-size pitch, but then take the goals and bring them up to the 18-yard boxes, okay? So it's a bit bit smaller, and we played 8v8 on, on a shortened pitch. The goalie got the ball in his hand, and then he threw it over arm, on a diagonal to the halfway line. So for like 40, yeah. 50 yards, he threw it, and it's going out to the right-hand side. Now, Eric has run out there, and he lets it drop over his right-hand shoulder, and then he volleys it in, before it's touched the ground, back across left, 40 yards into the top corner. It hasn't touched the ground. It's like a worldie that I have never seen before yeah. in my life. The keeper at the other end has just stood there thinking, what happened then? <laughs> it's lodged into the top corner. Yeah. And and the other thing, it was more to do with the reaction that, that got me. Because normally if you score that in training, you run around like an idiot. You know, you run yeah. around. He just ran back to the halfway line and said, okay, 
let's start again. Because oh, wow. that's what I do. And what was he like as a person? Like, would he get involved with the Not guys? so much. He, 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 what were Cantona and Batty like, I'd say? <laughs> Chalk and say. cheese, should, should, we, should we say. Um, we got him out a couple of times, you know, the yeah. old team spirit and everything else, and he would join in, but his English was, was limited. I think yeah. that would be fair to say. And especially when he was in a bit of bother with the manager, his English would disappear. <laughs> <laughs> what, what point in the season did you think this is on? Um, we certainly started well. We gathered momentum. We we were you know, but we were always chasing. I suppose Manchester United, and that was uh, yeah. They kind of choked. They, they, yeah, <laughs> near the end, and we just kept going and going and going. And, and again, I think it's when you have a setback. It's how you respond. I think we had a bad result at Man City, but we come back then really, really strong. Uh, but Eric, I think, came on at certain times of games and and produced a few you know, important goals. But I think a lot of players were obviously mm. very important that season. But um, certainly, Eric got after what he did at Manchester United you, know, you look back at that season and think he was uh, uh, instrumental in a, you know, he wasn't that big a figure in that mm. uh, side as people think yeah. uh, but even so yeah, he did make a contribution an important one there's mm. a kind of iconic day when Liverpool beat Man U 2-0 yes. for Leeds to clinch the title yes on the coverage they had like a shot of like <laughs> they, they filmed did. some Leeds players watching yeah. it I don't you, you yeah. weren't one of them were you? no I, were, I wasn't because uh, that was we played Sheffield United in the morning we mm. won our game we had to then wait to see you know what happened yeah. at uh, Man United playing at Anfield and they thought it might be the opportunity so they got a few guys together yeah. on the sofa which was it was, like, strange. It, it was like goggle box it was like, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it it, was, it, well, it didn't look good it didn't look good but myself and David Batty we got picked for England and we were supposed to go off oh, and right. play against Russia in Russia yeah and so the idea was that we would join up with the national uh, squad on the uh, the Monday morning down in London, so uh, hence why I I kind of left. I don't know where Bats went, but we were going to meet up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> watch the motorcycling or something. <laughs> and, then, yeah. uh, and of course, then we waited. But of course, with that result, you know, we were we were the champions. So uh, it was just incredible. Howard Wilkinson apparently didn't watch it because he was having his Sunday roast. Uh, well, he must have also been having lots of wine because he rang me and he was half cut. <laughs> and said, Tony, if you don't want to go to Russia, you don't have to. Don't worry, you can stay and, and oh. celebrate. And uh, yeah, the manager's absolutely fine with it. It's up to you and, and David Batty. So you just didn't go to Russia? So we, we uh, pulled out of that squad, uh, yeah. myself and Batty, yeah, to, to, to celebrate because, uh, oh, listen, it's, uh, yeah. uh, it proved to be once in a lifetime. How did you incredible. find out? Did you watch the game or did you... Uh, yeah, I watched the game. Yeah, I watched the game. So, what, um, strange feeling to kind of win in that way, but um, yeah, still incredible. And we, of course, we won the next game, so we won by four points in the end. So, yeah, yeah. And then the next season, Charity Shield, you mm-hmm. win. But then, I found this astonishing. Leeds managed to go the whole of the next season without an away win. That's impressive, isn't it? That's, it take, is. that <laughs> takes some doing, doesn't it? <laughs> to win but the league and then they're going to run to... like that. Yeah. What changed? Um, what changed? Back pass rule. Oh, that really? was the year really? that the back pass rule came in, and I think it's fair to say that wouldn't have been our strength in in certain positions. Um, so that affected us a lot. In what sense? Well, in that, if you imagine now Edison at Manchester City, you know, fantastic yeah. with his feet, he could play centre forward. You know, yeah. Obviously, back in my day there, uh, and this is no disrespect to John Lukic, but that wasn't his yeah. his role. He didn't need he was to no be Manuel like that. Neuer, was he? Uh, that's a good way of putting it. He was no Manuel Neuer. No, he wasn't. And then, of course, you got the, you know the centre halves, whereas they could just knock it back to the keeper and push up to the halfway line and defend. You know, now you couldn't do that. You had to start, you know, playing from the back. So uh, I know it's the same for everyone, but it, it do just. Do you think certainly... other teams prepared for it? 
possibly a bit better. I mean, we, we tried to as well. We did different things. But uh, I, I think then when the confidence started to, to sag, I suppose, it, it just it kind of got worse and worse. We and had then... Peter Shilton at Plymouth that year. Okay. And obviously he probably played for 25 years without having to kick the yeah. ball. Yeah. <laughs> His kicking was... An abomination. <laughs> <laughs> it was atrocious. It was You've never seen a man panic more than when Peter Shilton at the introduction of the back pass. It blows my mind that goalkeepers wouldn't be good at football. Yeah. Like if you're around footballs all day yeah. long, surely you'll you pick it up. They all thought they were good at football. And five aside, you would see them kind of wander out thinking they could play, but no. Get back in the goal. What is wrong with you? <laughs> but now, to be fair, they are. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're really good. The good ones are so comfortable with the ball that yeah, they're very good. I think our home form was still top four or something like that, but yeah. we never won away. Because Cantona left kind of out yeah. of nowhere as well. Yeah. Great <laughs> idea. Selling him to Manchester United. I know. Why don't we just give them a player that can make their team great <laughs> for the next 10 years? So what, how did you find out that had happened? Um, well, I think it was shocking just in the, in the, the news as it was. I, you could all... For, for me, you could tell that clearly Eric wasn't a well a Howard Wilkinson type of player. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. I think for the players or me personally, uh, I knew what he couldn't do. Uh, yeah. However, he was so far outweighed by what he could do that we were happy to you know fill in the gaps if you like. Yeah. Uh, but I think the way we won our title, that wasn't the way we did it. You know, everyone did exactly what they were required of them, and uh, eleven together, you know, we were we were stronger. But I just think with uh, with Eric, it, it kind of wasn't like that. A couple of times he ended up playing right midfield. Right. So Le Sulk came in quite quickly. <laughs> in the, he was not running up and down on the right-hand side. No tracking uh, back. No tracking back. No, no, no. We'll yeah. let that one go. Then the fullback keeps flying forward and he'd get the hook and off he'd come at half-time, Eric. So, uh, yeah, so you could see there was a few issues. Yeah. But uh, still, it was, a, it was a surprise for sure. I think when you've got a, a player like Eric, you've got to make him the fulcrum. You've got to make him special. You've got to love him, put your arm you know, around his shoulder and what have you, and he found a home, didn't he? I think it, uh, at Manchester yeah, United for yeah. exactly that. Genuinely, some of our best clips. It's a good show. It's, it's a good show. And if anything, it gets better with age, which you'd expect because it's about the past. Um, thank you for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. We like to end these specials in what are genuinely weird times. There's only one man we could turn to, and that man is Des Lynham and his CD of poetry. Chris, could you choose a track number? Uh, 16. Let's just hear Des take us through it. That's it for this episode of Now That's What I Call Quickly Kevin. We'll be back on Friday. Until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. A single flower he sent me since we met, all tenderly his messenger he chose. Deep-hearted, pure, with scented dew still wet, one perfect rose. I knew the language of the floweret. My fragile leaves, it said, his heart enclose. Love long has taken for his amulet one perfect rose. Why is it no one ever sent me yet one perfect limousine, do you suppose? Ah, no, it's always just my luck to get one perfect rose. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong. But these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.